This show is brought to you by Elite Exteriors. With offices across the southeast, Elite Exteriors is readily available to handle all of your residential and commercial roofing needs. Schedule your free assessment today by calling the home office at 470-350-3024 or visit EliteExteriorsUSA.com. everybody it's your host with the most jordan again um today we're going to be joined by uh shauna Ryder. she is a uh, supplement writer pun intended uh in our office here uh, among other things that she does obviously but one thing that is so valuable shauna is her the information and knowledge that she has you know uh, she was on a previous episode we talked about her back her background a little bit uh coming from the the adjuster side um which companies do you work for again when you were adjuster usaa was the insurance company that i worked for um and then uh, i went to an ia Oh. firm and then ended up going to the dark side and world of contracting so oh the dark side the dark side. i like to prefer it as the or think of it as the light side i agree i actually agree uh, but adjusters will tell you that you're going yeah. to the dark side i know right <laughs> well we talked about that too in a previous episode like you know adjusters obviously have their clicks too and in their gossip circles and everything and if you get on their bad side you know, oh yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely they're, right. They're gonna learn your name. They're gonna learn your company and things like that. So you mm-hmm. know, I always show up with the you know best intent. I actually saw a, a post on Liberty Playing Field. Somebody said that they always show up with like a ten dollar uh, gift card to like Chick Fil A or Starbucks or something. Let's <laughs> <laughs> bribe our way to a new roof. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today we're gonna talk specifically more on the scope side of things and and what we need to. Uh, be looking for uh, in regard to good scopes, bad scopes, um, you know, that falls into the line of supplementing and things like that, which is why I asked Shauna to be on the show today. Um, I mean, to begin with, obviously, you need to know your roof components, you know. Right. So, I mean, for us, you know, we, we, we install a complete new roofing system. It's torn down to the deck, of course, looking for any kind of rotting, uh, replace that if it's necessary. Go ahead and seal off, you know, box or turtle vents, uh, typically, because we're coming back with ridge vents and everything. But uh, underlayment, synthetic felt, uh, drip edge, ice water, starter, uh, shingles, and then ridge vent. I don't think I'm missing anything. That's that's pretty much the basis, right? The basics, the flashings and... Well, yeah, of course, flashings and stuff like that. But, you know, just talking about the shingle part uh, mm-hmm. in particular. But, um, all right, well, let's let's dive into it. Uh, you recently gave us a uh, a great PowerPoint at one of our sales meetings, and I thought it was a fantastic idea for our next episode, which is why we're here today. Um, so pretty much start from the beginning, where you started then. Uh, right. Well, just uh, jumping into that, uh, as you mentioned, knowing, you know, what to know. Roof components would be your number one. Obviously, we don't know what we're supplementing. Um, if you don't know what the name of the actual part is. And so I wanted to make sure that our guys are aware of, you know, what actually goes into a roof. Um, some of these guys come in and, you know, uh, they're newbies. They don't know what 
roof components are. They just think that it's just shingles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are, are veterans and they know exactly what they're talking about and they know what they're looking at and they have no problems at all. So, yeah. And I, th- I, I think knowing those components, too, is going to help you in those conversations when you're having them with the homeowners, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have a homeowner that's like, hey, uh, you know, can you give me an estimate? You know, or well, we need to have the conversation about what's on your current estimate that you already have from the insurance company first. You know, so you know what we're talking about and what we're doing here. But continue. Exactly right. So yes, so you have your you know your shingles. Um, obviously, you have your field shingles, um, starter shingles, ridge cap shingles. Um, underneath that, you have your underlayment, which there's different kinds. You know, we have a 15 pound, which is what normal insurance companies pay for. Um, sometimes you run into 30 pound felt. Insurance companies are you know, we'll, we'll pay for that. Um, and then of course we put synthetic felt on everything. Um, and that's typically going to be a, an upgrade that's an upgrade, right. incurred. Right? right. So as far as the, the starter shingles go, I mean, nine times out of 10, what I've seen on the insurance scopes is it's included in like the waste factor. They want us to use whatever, um, waste we can on the, on the, on the starter shingles. But how would you like when, when you were, you know, supplementing, how do you fix right. that in the scope? Uh, a lot of times uh, it depends if they do have a, a good amount of waste factored into their estimate I will actually ask the adjuster to lower their waste factor um, you know to accommodate the extra line item of starter shingles um, we use starter strips um, so obviously starter strips are a completely different product than a mm-hmm. field shingle would be um, also, there's a lot of labor that's involved in cutting starter shingles um, from field shingles. Um, obviously, you don't just necessarily flip it over, um, which you know a lot of companies say you just flip it over and you just go. And that's not how it works. You have to cut off that top part of the shingle mm-hmm. in, in essentially to, to create a starter shingle. How do you start a roof with waste if you don't have any waste cut yet? You know, also is a good That's a point. Great point. Yeah. You know, if you you're starting a roof with a starter, um, but uh, you know they're asking you to use waste. But if you haven't cut any waste, then how are you supposed to do that? And you know, when you're cutting waste, you know these guys are they're installing their field shingles and going all the way to the end, and then just lopping off you know two inches or lopping off seven inches or however much you know uh, of that shingle you know once they get to the edge of the roof. Um, and here you are, you know piecing together essentially is what they're asking you to do is to piece together these two inch you know strips versus seven inch strips versus you know what kind of part or you know and essentially where does where does your waste stop you know what waste qualifies to be reused as a um, as a starter strip, you know, per the insurance company. But also the fact is, is, um, you know, Xactimate specifically has that as a waste definition in there, in the system. Um, you know, it classifies waste as um, product that must, it, it's required to be purchased, you know, by a contractor, but is not eligible to be used. You're not allowed to use waste. Um, and it specifically says that in the waste definition of Xactimate. So well, that's good to know. All solid points, by the way. I am surprised you didn't mention having a good photograph during your inspection, though. <laughs> I am photo. <laughs> I'm a photo nut. Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know these. You know we 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 use starter strips. 
um, if you know when you're walking up that ladder and and the very first photo that you take you lift that shingle and you just you look at your layer shingles how many layers you have your drip edge and your starter and um, sometimes the insurance company will come back and say they didn't owe for starter because it wasn't installed on the roof well we know for a fact you know it is it is um, always installed you have to start the roof somehow right um, now uh, there's also um, so I mean you can use that as well Well, in that photograph you can also tell what type of decking we're working with typically as exactly. well without having to go into the attic and do that full inspection and, or maybe the homeowner's not home and you know you're just knocking out an inspection while they're at work or blah 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 right right so we have our slack decking or skip decking um, which are boards versus OSB and then of course you have your regular OSB uh, your deck sheathing um, as well so obviously um, you know we need a smooth nailable surface uh, per manufacturer installation instructions um, which also goes into your building code upgrades and uh, so if a person has you know slack decking or skip decking um, you know that's something that we need to bring to the adjusters uh, you know attention and uh, see if we can get that roof resheathed and essentially covered under code upgrade coverage so nice. you have your decking you have your shingles your starter your ridge um you know and then you go into your drip edge um you know which is not always installed but um you know all the states that we work with um it is required it's a code upgrade so um, and then, in, you know, just going back and forth with my conversations with ins uh, inspectors, um, state and local inspectors, you know, they do classify um, drip edge as required if it's more than 50% repair or more. So Yeah, we actually use that in an all-state claim mm -hmm. with, with Wesson household. That's you right. Know, we get, that's how, that's, I think that's how it actually got ended up getting that's approved. That's one of the reasons why we got approved, We had approved, that, yeah. that letter from the, the inspector in the county. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so drip edge as well. Um, is something that's required per code and um, something that the you know that we need to bring to the customer's attention if they do or they don't have it and uh, you know if we need to add that um, so yeah okay so. awesome um, now uh, flashings you know we have uh, different kinds of flashings mm -hmm. we have step flashing we have counter or L flashing and then we have apron flashing um, you know these items need to be inspected during our tear-off and that you know we're looking for nail holes, uh, mm -hmm. you know, damaged metal and everything like that. It, it do insurance companies typically wait for those photos of da da damage flashing before they really replace it? They they do. Uh, sometimes they do. Um, some companies are good about knowing that it's just something that's going to be essentially damaged during the replacement of a roof. Um, you know, automatically replace. Uh, you know, like um, pipe jack flashings, and it's really, honestly, it's the same concept. Um, you're going to have damage to those flashings. Uh, you're going to have damage, you know, to other things, um, or the other flashings. Uh, counter flashing, step flashing usually doesn't get damaged by direct physical loss. Um, a lot of insurance companies will say that's the only time they owe for it is if it's been, you know, affected um, by the actual cause of loss, um, such as wind or hail, and uh, so they won't cover it unless there's a direct physical loss to it. Um, so they will wait for us to uh, take photos of it during the installation process, and if we can provide photos showing that it was damaged, you know, considered consequential, consequential physical damage, um, then uh, they will replace it as part of the loss. Um, yeah. Apron and flashing, you know, does a lot of times have 
uh, you know, direct physical damage when it comes to hail. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I typically see it on the aprons. You know, you'll find that like under windows and stuff on porches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I typically would check that and use it as a collateral damage argument when that adjustment adjuster's out there. Or I say argument, but I, I just point it out and make sure that they realize, okay, this is obvious sign that hails hit the home. But uh, I think you got brought up a great point about you know different insurance companies obviously treat flashing differently and some will go ahead and pay for it others wait for that uh, damage to occur during the rebuild and stuff like that you know right. you you need to be prepared to have this conversation with the homeowner as well you know i recently had one he was very nitpicky about everything you know line by line we went through this whole scope and everything which is fine you know i have no problem explaining that to everybody but you know luckily i was informed enough to be able to have the conversation when it came to the flashing part of it you know to make him understand, yes, we're we're going to replace the flashing that is obviously on your scope. You have flashing in other areas that they have not paid for, but we will take good photos, document everything during the rebuild, and you know if it's necessary to replace it, we'll go ahead and do that, and then we'll supplement it on the back end for the insurance company. So just prepare, be prepared to have that conversation uh, with the homeowner when when it comes time for that. Right, right. And the, uh, you know, a lot of the other uh, flashings involve like the chimney flashing or, uh, the, um, the window flashing kits, you know, that go around like skylights, things like that. Um, and then of course you have your vent collars, Mm -hmm. those kind of flashings, you know, um, may not be damaged. Um, however, if you're replacing all of those shingles and these vent collars or these flashings are nailed, and sealed you know with roofing sealant you know or caulking or something you know to these shingles they're clearly going to be you know torn apart or they're going to be damaged you know during the removal of those shingles you can't you can't just unseal those um and and side note real fast for everybody listening you can go to our uh, facebook page and our instagram page but all the photos of everything that we're talking about in the order that we're talking about them will be posted uh, prior to the release of this episode uh, so you can kind of follow along and and have a visual for exactly what we're referring to when we're talking about it (coughs) all right so uh, we've we've pretty much mentioned most of the components i mean we didn't really go too in depth about the ventilation part of it and stuff um uh, but let, let's go ahead and move on, you know, bad scopes versus good scopes. Right. So we have, you know, you as a construction company um, or a contractor, you know, you you look at these customers, you know, estimates and and there'll be like four or five line items on yeah. there. You know, yeah, I've seen some pretty extensive ones, <laughs> which are, you know, usually a good, you know, good indicator that it's a great scope. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have only missed a few things, you know, right. but which they typically will miss things. And, and that's not always their fault. They're not necessarily contractors and know all the specs and everything. But, you know, you got a bad scope when it's like seven or less line items and it's only roof related. No gutters, no no downspouts, nothing, uh, no corner strips, you know, things of that nature. Right, right, yeah, you, you know, you're going to be, uh, and, and, and to be fair, you know, these guys are out there, you know, inspecting multiple houses and, and turning around and they have, uh, they're under the gun getting these estimates written and uploaded and, right. and um, but yeah, you're going to get something anywhere between five line items to, you know, 17 line items. So, um, obviously, you know, the more line items, the better. Um and then you're going to be looking at replacing and removing certain things versus just replacing. Um, and uh, so you just, we kind of went through, you know, what to look for in regards to mm-hmm. the different roofing components per exactimate, 
you know, um, line items. Right. Well, I do want to cover like <clears throat> everyone talks about, and I see it all the time about you know the supplement process and getting that those extra funds added on because I mean it's going to not only take care of the homeowner and get what they need. But you're also going to benefit off that as the salesman when you're when it comes time to collect your commission and things like that. So you know things like um, you know detach and reset gutters when you're installing the uh, the drip edge. Well, and honestly, that's not what we do, or that's not, <laughs> and it actually specifically states that in my estimate as well in my notes. Um, it it tells them it's literally manipulating the brackets. You know, okay. we're not detaching and resetting the gutter system. You don't have to necessarily detach and reset the entire system of gutters. What you're, what the guys are doing is they're manipulating the gutter brackets and they're detaching the brackets and then reinstalling the brackets over the gutters or over the drip edge. And then, so, so I mean, they're literally going like bracket at a time. You know, right, down, right. down the down the line. So. Um, so is that line item going to remain the same? Is it going to be detached and reset, or is it going to mm-hmm. be changed to like extra labor or you know things of that nature? It could, that it could go with extra labor. Um, I have it listed in there as detached and reset, and that's what I continue to get approved. And uh, and so and if somebody has any questions, you know, regarding that, they always ask, and I I let them know what we're doing, and and uh, we certainly provide photos showing our guys, you know, up there installing the drip edge and and they've always approved it but um but it is something that definitely could go just to labor hours Mm -hmm. so that is a possibility but that's funny that they call them yeah yeah they they (laughs) wanted to know yeah no but i get it i get it and 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 that's you know honestly um you know that's what our motto was at usaa you pay what you owe um we always make sure that you know what we are paying for you know, insurance-wise, is something that is actually being done. Um, that is what's fair, you know, to, to all parties. And we want to make it fair, you know. They they always pay what they owe. And um, so if we can provide photos showing that we are doing something, then it should be something that, you know, should be accounted for. So so what are uh, some other things that, you know, uh, separate a bad scope versus a good scope? <clears throat> scope, excuse me. Well, that kind of goes into, you know, what my uh, common kind of supplement items are. Um, But, uh, you know, making sure that we're getting the gable corners returns or strips, you know, added. Um, Making sure that we're getting the actual um, HVAC vents with their collars replaced versus just detached and reset, which obviously, you know, as mentioned, they're nailed and sealed to the shingles below them. So it's really hard to get those um, peeled off. so, uh, you know, I get those, you know, added typically. Um, the ridge cap, you know, shingles, um, ridge cap vents uh, sometimes are missed. Um, of course, the drip edge, you know, if it wasn't installed before, it's something that's installed after, you know, per building code, and we get those added. Um, and then, uh, of course, step flashing, you know, goes back to the uh, component piece that we were discussing, whereas if it's not direct physically damaged, they don't include that in the estimate until... Um, we can provide a photo showing it was damaged during the tear off. Um, so yeah, flashings and and uh, gable cornice fence and um, you know ridge and starter and drip edge are typically the most common supplement items that I put through. Okay, yeah. Well, another thing I notice um, that you tend to to fight for is is the pricing of the bundle. I, I noticed that we run into that a lot. Uh, you know, obviously, insurance companies are trying to save as much money as they possibly can. What, 
What's what? What is it that they're doing when they um, they recommend a certain warehouse that you can purchase it through there? They're trying to use that as the argument for the pricing. Material, sir. Um, it's like a material supply warehouse. MSW is a an insurance owned, insurance backed um, discount warehouse, essentially where they have shingles apparently stored, but. That's not what they, if you actually call them and follow up with them and ask them to fill an order, um, they go through third-party vendors in that area based off the zip code. So um, per our area, you know, because I've called them multiple times, um, they go through ABC Supply, whereas our ABC rep, you know, hasn't heard nothing about any kind of an agreement with an MSW warehouse mm -hmm. um, or an ITEL. Um, but uh, they do claim that they can get this shingles for cheaper, uh, based on the zip code and have those shingles, you know, delivered directly to the customer's home. Um, that has yet to happen. I have not had it happen one time. And, um, and uh, so they essentially are just using that as a cover to try and lower the value of the shingle amount, which um, really is backed 100% by Xactimate's pricing, um, you know, algorithm that they've put together themselves. Uh, they, I mean, they have thousands upon thousands of people working you know at their company um you know that research pricing based on zip codes based on all the literal hundreds of thousands of estimates that have uploaded you know um the pricing you know uh from the insurance pricing standpoint and then they also um look at the contractor's pricing and and then they have this algorithm that they can put everything together and determine based on the zip code what is the most uh, practical price you know for a shingle bundle in that area and um the fact that the insurance company certain insurance companies have decided to try and undercut that again <laughs> you know and and go through some kind of a material service warehouse or material supply warehouse um it's laughable but uh but yes i i get around that all the time i get it over um i get it overturned especially through all states and i've had it overturned through liberty mutual before um just providing them you know essentially the white paper you know with exactimate you know discussing their pricing algorithm and and the process that they use you know to try and determine pricing um and as well as you know letting the phone calls that i'll i'll call in and say i need this material for this date um also you know there's building code applications that that back up and support um you know not using them um, because they're not supplying materials based on building code, you know, uh, guidelines where they're marked by the manufacturer, you know, and they're not from the same, um, like the same palette, essentially. Right. So it could be so a, a, a mix of, of the color kind colors, of. Right. right. Like yeah. they're not going to essentially match. Right. So, and if you're in a matching state, then that's certainly a, a no, no go. That's yeah, not going to work. Right, absolutely. Um, and even though Georgia is not technically a matching state, you know, we do have, and I yes. keep going into that. Yes, we do go, go into in, that. We go into, <laughs> you know. Is that down here with the uh, the NAIC here? That's correct, yeah. yeah. The, Nas the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, um, they have standards for prompt and fair and equitable settlements. And, um, you know, 
that goes along with the consequential physical damage aspect of that, but it also, um, part two of that would be, you know, reasonable uniform appearance. The insurance company does owe for reasonable, reasonably uniform appearance. Uh, it states, you know, when the policy provides for the adjustment and settlement of first party losses based on, re on replacement costs, the following shall apply. First paragraph, when a loss requires re uh, repair or replacement of an item or part, any consequence of physical damage uh, incurred in making such repair or replacement not otherwise excluded by the policy shall be included in the loss. Uh, is this, this is referring to, you know, like a repairability test, like right. when, when uh, you order a repair, then, you know, we go ahead and attempt that repair, we video, video that and show that it, it's continuing to crease shingles and Right. If the if the shingles are brittle and they're not, uh, you know, if they're not able to be repaired, then that would be causing consequential consequential physical damage to the shingles around, you know, the wind damage or hail damage shingle essentially. So, right. if you're damaging shingles around it, then those shingles also take on the original cause of loss as wind or hail. Right, and it, it goes on to further state the insurance shall not have to pay for betterment nor any other cost except for the applicable deductible. Um, second paragraph, when a loss requires replace, replacement of items and the replaced items do not match in quality, color, or size, the insurer shall replace all items in the areas as to so as to confirm to a reasonable or reasonably uniform appearance. This applies to interior and exterior losses. The insured shall not bear any cost over the applicable deductible once again. Um, you know, so that, that kind of goes back to what we were referring to, the, the uniform appearance part of it. If if they're saying replace this, um, this section with, you know, this different kind of product or uh, this, um, you know, 25-year three tab over a 20-year three tab, whatever the case may be, um, it needs to be a uniform appearance, and that is uh, generally decided by the homeowner if it's uniform or not. The next step would then, would, if it's not, would be to contact the DOI to file that complaint and, and uh, get the ball rolling on that. And, and, so, I, and I wish I wish that Carlton was here because he does such an excellent job of explaining this. Right. Uh, I did happen to take notes down the last time he explained it during our sales meeting. So mm -hmm. essentially, uniform appearance, um, you know, if they order a repair, and further damage is then caused to other areas of the roof during that repair, then insurance owes for the full roof replacement. Now, if they don't approve the full roof, an owner can file a complaint with the, with the DOI, which is what, Department of Insurance? Or? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. They can file a complaint with the DOI because essentially the homeowner is really the one who decides what uniform appearance is. The insurance company can sit here and say that it is all day long, but it's not their home. It's not them looking at it every day. I feel like, you know, the, the, the homeowner is the one that says, you know what, that matches or that doesn't match. You know, if I'm driving to my house every day and I see two different color shingles, you know, I'm going to snap a photo of this. I can file a complaint with the DOI and then we can, get, we can get the ball rolling on a full roof replacement in that aspect as well. So, you know, you got to use these uh, these tips to your advantage when you're when you're dealing with an insurance company that wants to only replace part of a roof or just a small repair or whatever the case may be, um, you know, come when you <clears throat> certainly when you have a discontinued shingle you know 20 year three tab or or an atlas chalet or whatever the case may be right there's so many different discontinued shingles especially now you know um with uh, unfortunately you know just the, the lack of employees and and uh, the lack of uh 
warehouses that they've been able to keep open and so a lot of manufacturers have shingle manufacturers have isolated and mm-hmm. kind of shrunk down their production lines you know right. and they're only they're only manufacturing the main shingles right now so if there's anything on a roof that is discontinued um the biggest uh benefit you know besides having the customer um you know go to bat for you um you also have uh, well yeah, you can also do the ITEL. Um, so, you know, when you do an ITEL request and and send in the shingle and just prove that this, um, we can prove to the insurance companies, you know, that the shingle has been discontinued or the color, you know, has been discontinued. And then, yes, the NEIC, um, you know, Section 9, you know, for the, uh, reason, the reasonably uniform appearance um, does come into play and, and we can essentially get the roof bought. Um, that way. Well, let's talk about ITEL a little bit. Uh, for the for those of you listening that don't really know what ITEL is, it's a company essentially you send a shingle to, they examine it, uh, do whatever they do with it, <clears throat> and then they tell you if there is a, is still in production or if, uh, if there is a reasonable light quality replacement for it. Uh, and then if there is none, if it's discontinued completely and there's nothing to replace with it, then, you know, it comes back and says that. But, Shauna, you brought up a couple points in the past with me where uh, you do your ITEL reports maybe different than somebody else does them uh, for certain reasons, such as not putting the claim number on the ITEL report. Right. The So ITEL is another insurance-based, you know, company uh this this is they came into existence to help insurance companies um they're not there you know to help the customer um so you have to know what you're doing you have to know um how to play the game essentially so i do not put you don't put any claim information on there at all um they will reach out behind your back they will even though you're filling out the paperwork and you're paying for the fee you know they will reach uh around and they will go behind your back and and give that information to the insurance carrier first um and so you want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before that happens so if i don't put any claim information on the itel report i want the report to come back to me um i want to know what's going on beforehand and uh, if it does support us then you know we definitely want to send it in um and then obviously if it doesn't support us then we need to go a different route um so but uh, for the most part we've never had any issues um i know how to use itel um but uh if you know how to use it they could definitely be used in your favor and um you know we're in send it in and and uh, they'll send it back and if it's a 20 year you know they can say that there's no other you know matches um it's not a necessarily a match issue even though it comes back and it'll say there's no matches in their system right and insurance company says okay well this georgia's not a matching state so there's no match in the system it doesn't matter georgia's not a matching state it is an issue because it's not a matching issue, it's a product issue. Um, so if there's no product, then obviously we can't replace that roof or we can't repair that roof. Uh, so if it's a 20 year shingle and there's no 20 year shingles available, um, you can't you can't replace it with a 25 year three tab shingle. Um, they have AR, algae resistant sheen on it. Um, they're gonna age differently. It's not going to be a uniform appearance color. Um, so, uh, you know, we can, it, it just provides a little more ammo in our pocket, um, you know, with going to the insurance company. It, and I feel like when dealing with insurance companies and these adjusters, it, <clears throat> the language is so important. 
It is very important. And it's almost like you're in an attorney's office. It's exactly you know, that. You're in the court of law. <laughs> Policy language has been yeah. built by attorneys. And, so one yeah. one thing I hear a lot of is is uh, you know never never claim uh, rotted decking. Always say it's a uh, not a nailable surface. Right. It's ensuing water damage. You know the insurance company would owe for ensuing water damage. So if you have a wind torn shingle and there's water intrusion and causes damage to the decking, you know, it's it, even if it's been over a period of time and essentially is rotted, um, but it's it's not um, something that would be excluded if they're replacing the roof um, already. You have to have a nailable surface. Um, obviously, any kind of a rotted sheathing would be a not, you know, a nailable surface. Um, but it is ensuing water damages caused by, you know, a covered loss, an, an initial covered loss. So if you have um, a hole in the roof, um, obviously that would be something that would be covered under the policy. Right. I think these insurance companies, you know, they'll do whatever they can until they get a little bit of pushback from the homeowner because the homeowner's their customer. They're going to have a little bit more um, power in this conversation than we will. We can advise on what to do. However, they're going to have to be the ones to actually do it. I know you got to go pick up the kids, Shauna. They're getting off the bus. Uh, before I go, I want to wish you a happy belated birthday. I hope mm-hmm. that you had a, you. a great weekend. Uh, don't cry on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, guys, um, once again, I'll, I'll have all this posted up on, on social media before this episode is ever released, so feel free to follow along with the photos. And, and uh, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, feel free to visit us, visit us on our Facebook or Instagram page, uh, or you can email us directly at slingandroost101 at eliteexteriorsga.com. All right, everybody, have a good day.